Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 191. Today's big Bible question, what is the yeast of the Pharisees and why did Jesus warn against it? So, hello, friends. Happy Monday to you. It's going to be a shorter than normal episode tonight as it is 2.21 a.m. Monday morning right now. And I'm just now getting started on the podcast. Why so late, I hear you asking? Well, great question. Tonight, we had a prowler come by our house and break into our backyard four different times. I'm not kidding. He left and came back four different times trying to peek into the windows of our house. Now, he's lucky our daughter Abby didn't stab him in the eye because she's feisty and she likes to have a lot of knives nearby. Fortunately, we were all gathered in the living room watching Psych together, so the peeping prowler didn't see anything. We did come very close to catching him, however, within about two minutes, maybe even a minute. Sadly, because we were so caught up in watching our show, I missed my ring camera alerts, but we did get some pretty good video of the prowler, so that's a good deal, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to capture him pretty soon. A very friendly officer from the Salinas PD just left our house uh, right around 2 a.m. looking at video and gathering details and stuff. So hopefully our unfriendly neighborhood prowling Tom will be caught and put under the jail. So how's your day been so far? Well, today's Bible readings include Joshua chapter 8, Psalm 139, Jeremiah 3, and Matthew chapter 16, which is our focus passage. Consider this something of a two-parter from yesterday's pod that warned about the dangers of following human-made traditions because today's theme is a little bit similar. In Matthew 16, Jesus warns the disciples about the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees. Now, directly after this, the disciples are kind of talking amongst themselves, probably in low tones, and they interpret Jesus's warning to be a rebuke because they forgot to bring bread to eat. Now, in my mind, this is one of the funniest things in the Bible to me, and it shows that all of us, including the disciples, can be blockheads sometimes. And I kind of find that strangely comforting. As you might imagine, Jesus was not actually talking about the bread of the Pharisees, like the literal bread of the Pharisees, when he told the disciples to beware their leaven or yeast, but he's actually talking about something else that's uh, much more dangerous. This is not Jesus trying to get his disciples on a low-carb diet or anything like that. So let's read the passage and see what it is exactly Jesus is warning about. Matthew chapter 16, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. The Pharisees and Sadducees approached and tested him, asking him to show them a sign from heaven. And he replied, When evening comes, you say it will be good weather because the sky is red, and in the morning today will be stormy because the sky is red and threatening. You know how to read the appearance of the sky, but you can't read the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. The disciples reached the other shore, and they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus told them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were discussing this among themselves. Ah, We didn't bring any bread. 
Aware of this, Jesus said, You of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you collected? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many large baskets you collected there? Why is it that you don't understand that when I told you beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't about bread? Then they understood that he had not told them to beware of the leaven in bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and be raised the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned and told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So we've learned that the teaching of the Pharisees was quite dangerous and to be avoided. And that warning brings us to an important question, which is the focus of the show today. Well, what is exactly the teaching of the Pharisees? And I don't know, why should we beware or avoid it? So yesterday's episode and the warning in Matthew 15 does give us a big portion of what Jesus is warning about. The Pharisees and scribes had a tendency to add a lot of detail and man-made commands to the commands of God. And then they went and had the audacity to elevate those traditions and man-made commands to a very high level of authority, even higher in their eyes in practice than the level of authority that the Word of God held. In other words, they cared more about their foolish and detailed and legalistic interpretation of God's commands than what the commands actually said. So this is certainly one aspect of the teaching of the Pharisees that we must avoid. Unfortunately, honestly, guys, there's a lot of Christians and churches out there that still embrace the error of the Pharisees in this regard, holding their own denominational and personal religious traditions in higher esteem than the clear commands of God in Scripture. Beloved, this is a great danger. And Jesus is warning us about this danger today adding 
uh, authority to man-made commands and putting them on the same level of Scripture in our teaching, in our churches, in our denominations. But it's not the only danger that Jesus is warning us about. For more about the dangerous teachings of Jesus, of, I mean, of the Pharisees, we're going to look through Matthew 23. So Matthew 23, 2 through 4, this, Jesus is challenging the scribes and the Pharisees and telling the people not to listen to them. And this is what he says, uh, not to listen to the way they live their life, not to listen to their commands. This is what he says. The scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it, but don't do what they do, says Jesus, because they don't practice what they teach. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. So what's the takeaway? Well, here in the first three verses of Matthew 23, the leaven or teaching of the Pharisees is they add much to God's commands, making them overly burdensome and crushing on people. And then they just let those extra traditions do the work of crushing without helping the people that are being crushed. Not only that, they, the Pharisees, they ignore those commands. So they don't follow them. They just teach other people to follow them. And then they let those, all those so many extra commands just crush people. Well, let's keep reading. In verses five through 10, Jesus says, they, the Pharisees, do everything to be seen by others. They enlarge their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love the place of honor at banquets, the front seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called rabbi by people. But you are not to be called rabbi because you have one teacher and you are all brothers and sisters. Do not call anyone on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. You are not to be called instructors or teachers either because you have one instructor, the Messiah. So the takeaway here is that the leaven or teaching of the Pharisees is they are big on appearances and on being honored and praised and being called important titles. But Jesus forbids his followers from seeking out titles and even tells them to not allow other people to call them by big and lofty titles. So verse 13 through 22, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, You don't go in and you don't allow those entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to make one convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a child of hell as you are. Woe to you, blind guides who say, whoever takes an oath by the temple, it means nothing. But whoever takes an oath by the gold of the temple is bound by his oath. Blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? Also, whoever takes an oath by the altar, it means nothing, but whoever takes an oath by the gift that is on the altar is bound by his oath. Blind people, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, the one who takes an oath by the altar takes an oath by it and by everything on it. The one who takes an oath by the temple takes an oath by it and him who dwells in it. And the one who takes an oath by heaven takes an oath by God's throne and by him who sits on it. So the takeaway there, the leaven or the teaching of Pharisees is they they twist the commands of God. They add meaningless detail to them and then they try to get people to add to that meaningless Uh, to adhere to that meaningless and non-God-breathed detail, thus shutting the doors of heaven by proclaiming and teaching a false gospel, a false way of salvation by works and not by grace through faith. 
So verse 23 and 24, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, and yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. Blind guides, you strain out a gnat and gulp down a camel. So the takeaway here is that the leaven and teaching of the Pharisees is they adhere to some of the smaller and less weighty commands of God in order to look righteous in the eyes of the people. But they turn around and completely disregard the most important commands of God in regard to justice, mercy, and faith, therefore ignoring the heart of the word of God. Verses 25 and 26, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside of it may also become clean. What's the takeaway here? Well, the leaven or teaching of the Pharisees is that they try to appear to look holy by outward deeds of holiness, but they're untransformed, greedy, and selfish on the inside, thus demonstrating that they do not fear God or follow God at all. Well, twenty verses 27 and 28, final two verses. Woe to you, says Jesus, to the scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of the bones of the dead and every kind of impurity. In the same way, on the outside, you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So the takeaway here is that the leaven and the teaching of the Pharisees is they try to appear beautiful, holy, saintly, impressive, godly, but they are utterly spiritually dead on the inside where it's important and their lives are characterized by disobedience and hypocrisy, even though in people's eyes they look like amazing saints. This is this whole thing is what Jesus was warning about. A religion of appearance, of focusing on meaningless human traditions rather than the word of God and the spirit of God. A religion of impressive titles and accoutrements that a religion that appears holy and good and impressive, but is instead wicked, selfish, untransformative and oppressive. Paul calls it having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And he says, avoid such people. And Jesus says, avoid the kind of religion that is based on this kind of leaven or teaching, the teaching of the scribes and Pharisees. We don't have scribes and Pharisees around anymore, at least not officially, but we sure do have the leaven or the yeast or the teaching of the scribes and Pharisees around abundantly. So my friends, hold fast to the word of God and run away from the teachings and the lifestyle and the behavior of the scribes and Pharisees. Joshua chapter 8, verse 1. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all the troops with you and go attack Ai. Look, I have handed over to you the king of Ai, his people, city, and land. Treat Ai and its king as you did Jericho and its king, except that you may plunder its spoil and livestock for yourself. Set an ambush behind the city. So Joshua and all the troops set out to attack Ai. Joshua selected 30,000 of his best soldiers and sent them out at night. He commanded them, pay attention, lie in ambush behind the city, not too far from it, and all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will reproach the city. 
when they come out against us as they did the first time, we will flee from them. They will come after us until we have drawn them away from the city, for they will say, they're fleeing from us just like before. While we are fleeing from them, you are to come out of your ambush and seize the city. The Lord your God will hand it over to you. After the taking the city, set it on fire. Follow the Lord's command. See that you do as I have ordered you. So Joshua sent them out, and they went to the ambush site and waited between Bethel and Ai to the west of Ai. But he spent that night with the troops. Joshua started early the next morning and mobilized them. Then he and the elders of Israel led the people up to Ai. All the troops who were with him went up and approached the city, arriving opposite Ai and camping to the north of it, with a valley between them and the city. Now Joshua had taken about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. The troops were stationed in this way, the main camp to the north of the city and its rear guard to the west of the city, and that night Joshua went into the valley. When the king of Ai saw the Israelites, the men of the city hurried and went out early in the morning so that he and all his people could engage Israel in battle at a suitable place facing the Arabah. But he did not know there was an ambush waiting for him behind the city. Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten back by them and fled towards the wilderness. Then all the troops of Ai were summoned to pursue them, and they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. Not a man was left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel, leaving the city exposed while they pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Hold out the javelin in your hand towards Ai, for I will hand the city over to you. So Joshua held out his javelin towards it. When he held out his hand, the men in ambush rose quickly from their position. They ran and entered the city, captured it, and immediately set it on fire. The men of Ai turned and looked back, and smoke from the city was rising to the sky. They could not escape in any direction, and the troops who had fled in the wilderness now became the pursuers. When Joshua and all Israel saw that the men in ambush had captured the city and that smoke was rising from it, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. Then men in ambush came out of the city against them, and the men of Ai were trapped between the Israelite forces, some on one side and some on the other. They struck them down until no survivor or fugitive remained, but they captured the king of Ai alive and brought him to Joshua. When Israel had finished killing everyone living in Ai who had pursued them into the open country, and when every last one of them had fallen by the sword, all Israel returned to Ai and struck it down with the sword. The total of those who fell that day, both men and women, was 12,000, all the people of Ai. Joshua did not draw back his hand that was holding the javelin until all the inhabitants of Ai were completely destroyed. Israel plundered only the cattle and spoil of that city for themselves according to the Lord's command that he had given Joshua. Joshua burned Ai and left it a permanent ruin still desolate today. He hung the body of the king of Ai on a tree until evening and at sunset Joshua commanded that they take his body down from the tree. They threw it down at the entrance of the city gate and put a large pile of rocks over it, which still remains today. At that time, Joshua built an altar on Mount Ebal to the Lord, the God of Israel, just as Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded the Israelites. He built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool has been used. Then they offered burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed fellowships offerings on it. 
There on the stones, Joshua copied the law of Moses, which he had written in the presence of the Israelites. All Israel, resident, alien, and citizen alike, with their elders, judges, officers, stood on the other side of the ark of the Lord's covenant, facing the Levitical priests who carried it. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim and half in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses the Lord's servant had commanded earlier concerning blessing the people of Israel. Afterward, Joshua read aloud all the words of the law, the blessings as well as the curses, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read before the entire assembly of Israel, including the women, the dependents, and the resident aliens who lived among them. Psalm chapter 139, verse 1. Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It's lofty. I'm unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shale, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. God, if only you would kill the wicked. You bloodthirsty men, stay away from me, who invoke you deceitfully. Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and defeat those who rebel against you? I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is in any way, any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Go and announce directly to Jerusalem that this is what the Lord says. I remember the loyalty of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who ate of it found themselves guilty. Disaster came on them. This is the Lord's declaration. Hear the word of the Lord, house of Jacob, and all families of the house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they went so far from me, following uh, worthless idols and becoming worthless themselves. They stopped asking, where is the Lord who brought us from the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, through a land of drought and darkness, a land no one traveled through and where no one lived? I brought you to a fertile land to eat its fruit and bounty. bounty. But after you entered, you defiled my land. You made my inheritance detestable. The priests quit asking, where is the Lord? The experts in the law no longer knew me, and the rulers rebelled against me. 
The prophets prophesied by Baal and followed useless idols. Therefore, I will bring a case against you again. This is the Lord's declaration. I will bring a case against your children's children. Cross over to the coast of Cyprus and take a look. Send someone to Kedar and consider carefully. See if there's ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever exchanged its gods? But they were not gods. Yet my people have exchanged their glory for useless idols. Be appalled at this heavens. Be shocked and utterly desolated. This is the Lord's declaration. For my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and dug cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that cannot even hold water. Is Israel a slave? Was he born into slavery? Why else has he become prey? The young lions have roared at him. They've roared loudly. They've laid waste his land. His cities are in ruins without inhabitants. The men in Memphis and Tapans have also broken your skull. Have you brought this on yourselves by abandoning abandoning the Lord your God while he was leading you along the way? Now what will you gain by traveling along the way to Egypt to drink the water of the Nile? What will you gain by traveling along the way to Assyria to drink the water of the Euphrates? Your own evil will discipline you. Your own apostasies will reprimand you. Recognize how evil and bitter it is for you to abandon the Lord your God and to have no fear of me. This is the declaration of the Lord God of armies. For long ago I broke your yoke, tore off your chains. You insisted, I will not serve on every high hill and under every green tree. You lay down like a prostitute. I planted you a choice vine from the very best seed. How then could you turn into a degenerate foreign vine? Even if you wash with lye and use a great amount of bleach, the stain of your iniquity is still in front of me. This is the Lord God's declaration. How can you protest? I am not defiled. I have not followed the Baals. Look at your behavior in the valley. Acknowledge what you've done. You are a swift young camel, twisting and turning on her way, a wild donkey at home in the wilderness. She sniffs the wind in the heat of her desire. Who can control her passion? All who look at her will not become weary. They will find her in her mating season. Keep your feet from going bare and your throat from thirst. But you say it's hopeless. I love strangers and I will continue to follow them. Like the shame of a thief when he is caught, so the house of Israel has been put to shame. They, their kings, their officials, their priests, and their prophets say to a tree, You are my father, and to a stone you gave birth to me. For they have turned their back to me and not their face. Yet in their time of disaster they beg, Rise up and save us. But where are your gods you made for yourself? Let them rise up and save you in your time of disaster if they can, for your gods are as numerous as your cities, Judah. Why do you bring a case against me? All of you have rebelled against me. This is the Lord's declaration. I have struck down your children in vain. They have would not accept discipline. Your own sword has devoured your prophets like a ravaging lion. Evil generation, pay attention to the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness to Israel or a land of dense darkness? Why do my people claim we will go where we want? We will no longer come to you. Can a young woman forget her jewelry or a bride her wedding sash? Yet my people have forgotten me for countless days. How skillfully you pursue love. You also touch evil women, teach evil women your ways. 
Moreover, your skirts are stained with the blood of the innocent poor. You do not catch them breaking and entering, but in spite of all these things, you claim I am innocent. His anger is sure to turn away from me, but I will certainly judge you, because you have said I have not sinned. How unstable you are, constantly changing your ways. You will be put to shame by Egypt, just as you were put to shame by Assyria. Moreover, you will be led out from here with your hands on your head, since the Lord has rejected those you trust. You will not succeed even with their help. Amen. Friends, I hope the word of God today has challenged and encouraged you. Stay safe, stay away from prowlers, good day, and Godspeed.